This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. Ryan says we met at a truck stop. That's what he tells, oh, yeah? tells people. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ryan's sense of humor, I can uh, see that. <laughs> <laughs> I never know how to take you. Because he's just, like, so serious, and then he'll come out with this wit. Yeah. He's like, a, he's a, I call him a 13-year-old. <laughs> Welcome to Fast Lane Family with Kelly Earnhardt Miller. Welcome to Fast Lane Family. Today in studio, I've got Chrissy Newman with me, wife of Sprint Cup Series driver Ryan Newman. But before we dive into Chrissy and, and her life, I'm really excited to announce a new partnership on Fastlane Family with a company called Charlie Soap. The name Charlie Soap might be a little misleading. They actually have a great line of six products, ranging from household cleaners for your kitchen and bath, indoor and outdoor surface cleaner, which will clean just about anything from cars, grills, and even your house siding. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it when I actually <laughs> looked at the bottle. It, it said that it cleans your pets on the indoor-outdoor bottle, which I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty yeah. amazing. <laughs> you have one product for a bunch of uses. Yeah. They have a laundry soap in liquid and powder form, and I've actually started using the, uh, the laundry soap myself, and a pre-spray, uh, which you need when you have three kids, mm -hmm. and a laundry booster and hard water treatment. Uh, we need that, too, out on uh, the land with a um, well. Well, yeah. yeah definitely a, a good thing, thing there. Um, I think, you know, for me, Amanda, the coolest thing about this and, and um, you know, I've been using earth-friendly products and green products in my home for a couple of years now. And that's kind of what caught my attention with Charlie's Soap is it's mm -hmm. a, it's a earth-friendly product, a green product, um, and still, you know, designed to clean the toughest stains and leave no residue behind on your surfaces and clothes and all that good stuff. Yeah, that was, uh, if you go on their website too, that's one of their big things. They go into a lot of detail explaining exactly what ingredients they use and and how it all all works and right. cleans so well. And, you know, that's a huge thing with, I think, everybody throughout the United States, probably the world. Th this green thing is, you know, kind of taken over. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I thought was really cool, and, and we talk about this a lot with Junior Motorsports and Dell Junior and our family, is just the whole family environment and, you know, the roots of our family and, and things being authentic and true to who we are. And this company, Charlie's, Soap was is a local North Carolina-based company, started with Charlie Sr. back in 1976, and it's actually, you know, now ran by his family, Charlie Jr., and, and many other family members, and still based right here in North Carolina, mm -hmm. so I think that's a, a really cool similarity for the Earnhardt family. A small company that has kind of gotten the whole reach of the country, too, you know? Yeah, Very absolutely. Very similar to this. Yeah, they've taken their, their little North Carolina operation and gone worldwide, you know, mm -hmm. they're sold all over the country in 50 states and 50 countries. Um, you can find their product in places like Whole Foods, the Fresh Market, Earth Fair, uh, Ace Hardware, and a lot of other stores. They have mm -hmm. a store locator on their website mm -hmm. as well. You can actually go online to charliesoap.com, uh, find out more information on their products and where to purchase them. So I encourage all of you fans of Fast Lane Family and Dirty Mo Radio to get out and, and do some research on Charlie's Soap. And uh, if, you, if you see what you like when you're doing your research, purchase some products and try them. Um, you know, supporting the sponsors like Charlie Soap is really important to us. Um, it's what keeps Dirty Mo Radio going and making it fun for us and for all of you that are listening. Um, it's really a product that we believe in, and so please go check it out. Well, good morning, Chrissy. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? How was your drive-in? <laughs> it was a little rough. <laughs> You've got your coffee. I have my You're coffee. You're in good shape. Yes. It and was needed on the way down here. Yeah, I can't believe just getting from Statesville 20 miles up the road, and we're talking about traffic jams. It's not even, it's just <laughs> dumb people just, on the yeah, road. Right, I mean, right. people not paying attention, or they're 10 miles under the speed limit, and 
when you have to get somewhere, you're like, get out of the way. Exactly. Well, I thought at first this morning when you text, you're like, I'm going to be a couple minutes late. I'm like, oh, she's a mom. I'm a mom. I get it completely. Um, but I didn't know it was going to be road rage. That. <laughs> well, I mean, I was late because I was trying to get out of the house. Anything in the morning is, I just can't get out on yep. time. I don't know what it is. It's one wants a hug, then you got to go give the other one a kiss, and they're grabbing your legs, and you're trying to get out of the house. Yep. But then I got on the highway, and I was like, oh, no, this is not good. So what are your mornings like between, you know, you and Ryan getting up and getting going? Like what happens? Um, Who gets going first? Usually we're up about the same time. If not, he's up just a little bit before me. But it's 6.30, 7 o'clock, let the dogs out. Um, one of us will go shower. The other one gets the kids up. <laughs> then we switch. Are um, your kids early risers? They're they're usually like 7.30, 8 o'clock, yeah, yeah. which is, I think that's a decent time. Yeah, I, think I mean, so if too. they got up at 5, I'd be in trouble. Yeah. I am extremely lucky because all three of my kids are 9 to 10 o'clock sleepers. Yeah. If I let them be, you know. We've started waking Wyatt up like 8, 8.30 because when we go to school, we get up at 7.30. So then I don't want him to be like sleeping until 10 o'clock. And then all of a sudden he's going to be waking up at 7.30 and we'll go through a few weeks of, you know, craziness. Yeah, I don't know if I can handle the school. They have school. They do preschool. Yeah, but it yeah. starts at 9. But I, I don't know the concept of school. and I don't know. It just scares well, me. Well, are you already? Where they're going to go. I was going to say, are you already researching like Delana? <laughs> I've well, had her on and she's bit. like, I'm researching schools. I'm like. Keelan's too. <laughs> well, I've got one that's going to be four, so I'm a little bit closer yeah. um, to the school age. But, it, I mean, that's a big decision it on is. where they're going to go and what's around you and what they have to offer. Do you go public? Do you go private? Yeah. It's very overwhelming. Do you homeschool? I and mean, with your schedule, you you have to keep that in mind, too, you know, with Ryan traveling and you guys wanting to be a part of that so that you don't completely get disconnected in two different lives. Yeah, and it's, it's so. tough at times. You know, we make it work right now because we can pick up the kids and go and, and do those things. But when they yeah. are involved, Brooklyn does gymnastics. So Monday nights, it's like, okay, I got to get home at this time, get her ready from gymnastics. Let's go do that. Then we got to coordinate dinner. So I think it's just typical parenting with kids, except for we travel a lot yeah, in between. Exactly. So you seem to manage that pretty well. Seem like you got it under control. Uh, it's just mad chaos just, all the right. time. Yeah. <laughs> and thank God for people that help us, right? Between babysitters or family or whatever it is. I could yeah. not do it without them. Well, I, they say it takes a village and yeah. it, it really does because... You'd pull your hair out if you had to do it yourself. I don't think you physically could do it yourself right. on all the levels and travel and do what we do. No, 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 it wouldn't be possible um, at all. So let's go back. Let's go back okay. to uh, Christy and Ryan and, and first meeting. <laughs> are you asking me or are you asking? Ryan says we met at a truck stop. That's what he oh, yeah? tells people. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ryan's sense of humor, I can uh, see that. <laughs> <laughs> I never know how to take you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, gosh, what when I see Ryan, what do I say to Ryan? How do I act around Ryan? Because he's just, like, so serious, and then he'll come out with this wit. Yeah, he's, like, a, he's a, I call him a 13-year-old. <laughs> he he has a interesting sense of humor. A lot yes. of people don't get him, though. He's yeah. very dry and sar sarcastic. Yeah. yeah. But um, he has a really big heart. So once you kind of get to figure out, and I can usually tell just by looking what mood he's in. But it's funny to watch, and well, it's you, funny to listen to some of the announcers because they don't get him at all. <laughs> <laughs> they think they do. Yeah, they don't. They don't get them at all. But. So tell your ver version of uh, you and Ryan meeting. Well, we both moved down to North Carolina. Um, I was from New Jersey. He's from Indiana. About the same time, and uh, I was living in Charlotte. He was up here. I grew up not knowing anything about racing and got quite the education when I moved down here. But exactly. I'm a hockey football girl. I still follow follow hockey and football. But uh, 
we met through church. My, I'd go to church up here in Mooresville with my grandmother and some friends that he was staying with when he was down here from Penske were friends of my grandmother's and they asked if I would show him around Charlotte. So they wrote my phone number down. And I was like, yeah, if he wants to go around Charlotte, no problem. I'll take him out. I didn't know he didn't drink. I didn't know anything about him. And three weeks later, he called and we were on the phone for about three hours. He had explained to me what a stock car was and what he did and what racing really was. <laughs> and uh, we went out the following Friday. We were friends for a while. We just got out of both got out of long-term relationships and thought it would be kind of fun and hang out. And then eventually we started dating, I don't know, like three, four months later, seriously. And then again, ever since. Ever since. Yeah. That's yeah. been quite some time, 2001, 2001 or so you guys yeah. met. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. seem like it's been that long, but when you start looking back at all the things that you've done and the years that have passed in between, it's amazing how much time has passed. It really is. And I thought about that um, with Delaney and Kevin because with Kevin taking over my dad's ride mm -hmm. in 2001 and that is the same time that they got married and, and it was just their anniversary. I don't think too, too long ago, um, Kevin and Delaney and they were like, you know, we've been, it's um, 13 years and I'm like, there's no way they've been together that long. And then I do the math, of, you know, with Kevin and my dad and all that. And I'm like, oh yeah, it has been 13 years. I mean, just, it's amazing. 2001 does not seem like an old year at yeah. this point, you know, it makes, like 1990 when I graduated high school, really old. <laughs> yeah. And you look at your kids and you're like, when did that happen? How did they get to be these little people with personalities? And yes, definitely. You look at pictures and it's just amazing how much and how fast they've changed. So talk about Brooklyn and Ashland. First, I want to know about yeah. their names. Is Brooklyn any, any Michigan no, relation no, or no, anything no. of that? that no, <laughs> actually, um, this goes back to fishing and hunting, of course. <laughs> Ryan was looking at a field and stream magazine and he was reading the story about this fly fisherman and he named his daughter Brooke because of the Brooke yeah. trout. And he really, Ryan's like, I really like that name Brooke. And at that point, you know, you go back and forth with so many names. Yeah. And I was like, I like Brooke, but I like full names where you can make a nickname. So that way they can go by either or depending. And they're not they mad that do. they right. gave them one name and right. they hate that name. Right. Um, so I was like, well, what about Brooklyn? He's just like, well, no, it's got to be Brooklyn, then middle name Lynn. So we went back and forth on that. And then uh, he was out hunting in uh, Wyoming with Bill Jordan and walked through a sage field. And he's just like, I like Brooklyn sage. And I was like, good call. I do too. <laughs> and that's, I, I kind of changed my mind when we were in the delivery room uh, a few times. And then I was like, no, we'll just go with our original. And then Ashlyn, um, there was actually a girl that worked at, at Cherry Pollock's store, Lavender, and yeah. her name was Ashlyn, and I yeah. just thought it was such a pretty name, and we went back and forth, and I was like, oh, do I have two Lynns? And, right. But I, I just really liked cool. the name. I kept going back to it, and yeah. then um, Olivia was just a name I've always liked, so it just kind of fell into place. So we've got one after fishing slash outdooring, and the other one you kind of got to to take the rain zone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> even when we were laying there after we had Ashlyn and, and Ryan's like, okay, what's going to be? They're asking you to fill out paperwork. I was like, I don't know. He's like, just go with what you want. <laughs> like, just pick something. This kid can't have a name. My dad and Teresa, when um, I was 16, when Taylor was born and they did not name her until the moment they left the hospital, they were going back and forth with names. And so she was just like baby Earnhardt for four days. Yeah. Chandra and Jimmy. I mean, they did <laughs> same the same thing. thing. They were, they even it's filed hard. for the extent, don't you have to have like an extension or something if you can't pick oh, gosh. the name by I the time you leave the yeah. hospital? I think they did that as well, but. Well, it's really hard to name a boy, I think, over a girl because, you know, you can get away with a lot of cute names for girls that stick with them, you know, all the way into to being grown adults. And the boy thing was really hard for me and why, uh, for me and LW to, 
to settle in on why it had to be manly and you had to think about when he was you know two to ten to twenty to forty how it was all gonna you know how the name would come across so yeah it was Wyatt the whole kind of outdoor cowboy thing we went through the same thing like talking about river and different names like that for the outdoors yeah so. and I mean you look at what some people in Hollywood name their kids and you're like <laughs> Apple and Fiona you're like north yeah <laughs> northwest <laughs> that poor child there's lots of those. But I mean, I'm like, all right, well, I can't screw it up that no, bad. No, yeah, you other, can't get that bad. There things yeah. out there. And so t- so Brooklyn and Ashlyn, what's, what are they into and what do they like to do? Well, Brooklyn thinks she's Elsa from okay. Frozen. And I mean, every Probably morning. with uh, a million other little girls. Yes. Every morning, <laughs> as soon as she gets up, she has to put her dress on and have her hair band in and put her shoes on. And she walks around like she's a princess. Um, Ashlyn's just, she's my little fighter. She's just on her own planet kind of my strong-willed stubborn it's what I want to do when I want to do it and that's the way it's going to be uh she really likes Mickey Mouse right now so oh, like yeah? the Mickey Mouse clubhouse yeah and, and that kind of stuff but they're a lot of fun it's interesting to see the dynamics between the sisters and how some moments they're super close and love each other and the next moment you're yelling at them to like keep their hands to themselves and go sit and time out oh yeah it's, it's a constant chess I'm game I'm still doing that at 13 and 8 with two girls yeah yeah I'm not looking forward to the puberty age. It probably will be, you know, with yours being just two years apart, I think it'll be probably somewhat easier because the the problem I have with Kennedy and Carson is they grew out of stages apart from each other. Yeah. You know, so, of course, Carson doesn't want anything to do with Barbies and babies and all that kind of stuff that Kennedy wants to play. And Kennedy's just begging for Carson to play those things. So mm-hmm. she's like, who else is going to do this with me <laughs> if yeah. you don't? And then there's Wyatt at two. So it's, um, you know, I've got the gamut of years between them. So Well, and I think with the girls, when you get to like the 18 and the 15, yeah. it'll be the clothes fights. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that will that's true. Boy, so are you guys done? We are done. We are done. I had two difficult pregnancies, um, so, so we decided let's count our blessings yep. and be happy with what we have. He he didn't care. We kind of from day one always said two would be our number, so yep. we didn't really care boys or girls. We can te- teach our girls to hunt and fish. I was going to say, I'm sure he's all about introducing all of that to, to yeah. the girls. Yeah, Brooklyn actually does everything but take the hook out of the fish mouth. She'll put it back in and reels it in and loves the fish with her dad and Ashlyn's getting to the point where she's touching the fish now and she'll reel it in but she's not really keen on holding it yeah we took Wyatt um Ashlyn and Wyatt should be pretty met, pretty similar in age and um fishing at the pond and it was a nightmare he wanted to take the rod and like take the end of the rod and just like beat down in the water and you know, beat things with it <laughs> like no we need to hold this up the fish isn't going to bite that if you don't hold this still and he had really no interest in reeling or yeah, I'll so, get there. Yeah. And that'll be all he wants to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's up to his dad, um, definitely hunting and fishing. Yeah, are. but if we have a, a race car driver in the family, I think it'll be Ashlyn. She's got that, that stubborn just drive that you just can't you need. It. Yeah, <laughs> I that. mean, it's it's a competitive, I don't know, I think you're just born with it. I yeah. think these guys that get into these cars and these girls that get into these cars, I mean, I just think they have a different level of competitiveness that other people don't have to do what they do. Yeah. And I think Ashlyn's got a little bit of that. So it'll be interesting to see what she gets into. And so you have the uh, battery-powered cars and mess with oh, those of course. and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Gets daddy's old cars and yeah. likes to sit in the driver's seat of the golf carts. And So how often do they travel and you travel to the races? 
Um, I would say we're there about 50 to 75%. It really depends. West Coast races are way too hard to bring them. I'll go um, occasionally. Like I went to Sonoma because it's a nice break for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Vegas was a big um, deal for Caterpillar, so I went out there to meet some of the Caterpillar folks. But uh, it just depends on the weekend, where we're going, what else there is to do at the track. I look yeah. at the tracks a completely different way now because I'm like, okay, well, I've got these kids, and what if we have a rain out and – we're stuck in the motor coach from Thursday to Sunday or possibly Monday. What am I going to, like, Texas right. was hard because I was like, all right, we've already done the zoo. It's raining. What am I going to do with these kids? They're driving me nuts. We're in a small, confined area. Right. There's nothing to do. So it just depends on, on what there is to do around the racetrack when Ryan's busy working. Right. What I can do to occupy their time. Yep, get them out there and play with the other kids. <laughs> yeah, MRO is fantastic. Yes. Thank goodness for them. Thank goodness for MRO. So let's talk about your involvement in Ryan's career and the foundation and, and how that's um, transitioning into Rescue Ranch and talk about Rescue Ranch after that. Well, I went to school, um, well, I originally went to school to be an orthopedic surgeon, but that didn't work out so well. <laughs> <laughs> My first semester in college uh, with all the organic chem and physics and I just my first year in college it didn't go yeah, very well no. so uh, I ended up graduating with pre-law and my intention was to go to law school so when I first met Ryan he never even had a single copy of any of his contracts and I was like what do you mean like <laughs> you need to have copies and know what your commitments are know what you're getting paid who you owe what to I mean it's pretty important yeah and uh I just kind of started handling a lot of that stuff for him, and it grew into doing helping him with the fan mail. And we spend 24-7 together. We'd go to the race shop, and I'd sit in the office and do all of the office stuff that he needed done. He'd go socialize with the guys, and we'd go out to lunch and then go home and make dinner that night, hang out, go fishing. And it just kind of grew into, okay, well, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I need more help. So we hired on a few people. I'm not good with numbers, so he needed somebody to do all of that for him. <laughs> and it got to the point where... We were in Martinsville in 2004 in October, and I had done some stuff with different groups and humane societies and did a little bit of animal rescue without really knowing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think my whole life I've kind of been into the animal thing and bringing animals in. And there was a young girl that handed me this piece of paper, and I was reading the, the note as I was going back to my motor coach, and it was all about how she would taken in a stray dog. And the stray dog got pregnant, had puppies. They tried to care for the puppies, couldn't care for the puppies, tried to find homes, couldn't find them homes. Ended up with, lo and behold, long story short, 15 dogs at their house. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So they were taking the boys and putting them on the back porch and letting the girls out. And then they'd let, you know, the girls out for half the day and then switch them with the boys. And they couldn't interact. And it was just, they were borrowing bread from their neighbors to feed the animals, not even right. feed themselves. And they weren't really asking me to help them. They were asking me to help the overall goal of taking these animals and getting them fixed, finding them homes, and, you know, trying to get the message out. Right. And it really opened my eyes that, dang, this isn't just happening here. This is happening everywhere. And went back, and it really affected me. I told Ryan, I said, we need to do something. Like, I'm going to immediately take care of this family and their situation and help them out. But we need, to, we need to do something on a bigger level. NASCAR has such a phenomenal name and such a great voice to get these messages out. I said, let's capitalize on that and start a foundation and really try and help animals out and help people out that are in these situations. And that's really how the foundation kind of started. We went down um, the first year. We went down to Katrina. It was right after Katrina happened. And I learned quite a bit through a bunch of groups that we worked with down there. Um, Project Halo was one of the groups that we went down with. And we stayed at the South Mississippi Humane Society, which is down kind of in the Gulfport area. And they were affected, but they had just um, built all the walls and everything. So it was an empty shell of a building anyway. So we were able to set up camp in there. And they kind of were intake for owner surrenders. And we'd go out in the community and try and find strays and 
bring them in, clean them up, see if anybody could claim them. And then we had a relationship with Purina at the time, so I called them and asked them to come and bring a truckload of food. So they brought me a semi-load of dog and cat food. And then <laughs> Ryan was with Penske at the time in Dodge. It's the only time I think I've ever really name-dropped. <laughs> so I called the local Dodge dealership, and I was like, hey. I said, do you watch racing? And they're like, yes, ma'am. I said, well, do you know who Ryan Newman is? And they're like, yes, ma'am. I said, well, this is his wife, and I happen to be right down the street, and I was wondering if you could let me borrow a couple pickup trucks. I need to get some dog and cat food out into the community. And he's like, could you please hold? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, I've got some crazy lady on here. <laughs> yeah, they did. And she they wants put, to borrow some pickup trucks. <laughs> yeah, they put the general manager on the phone, and I kind of explained to him what was happening. He's like, absolutely, I have some that were hurricane damaged. You're welcome to come down and, and take them out. So we did. He gave us two trucks, and we were able to go and drive into um, downtown and get the food out to the different animal groups that were already stationed in there and, and trying to take care of the animals right. that they already had. How long did you stay down there and do that work? We were there for a little over a week yeah. um, and then came back. But it was it was eye-opening to see the devastation that Mother Nature can do and just see all the people. And I mean, there would be a boat in the top of this huge house. And you're like, how the heck did that thing get all the way up there? It's a huge boat. And here right. it is sticking out of somebody's roof. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. And now we're getting like all the tornadoes. And we tried to do a lot of sending out hay for the fires in Texas through the foundation. And then... We did some supply drives where we could get supplies out because, I mean, with tornadoes, you have nothing. Yeah. I mean, hurricanes, yeah, you you might still have stuff, but tornadoes, I mean, that's just, it's Flatten gone. And take it all. Yeah. Yep. That's great. And so that's transitioned into Rescue Ranch, and, and talk about that. Cause the foundation. I want to know more about that. I can't wait to get up oh. there. I haven't been there yet. I know. <laughs> you need to. I know. Renee came up. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I it, was, that. it was fun. Uh, it's growing fast. But we got so big with the foundation and all the different groups that we were working with. I felt like when I got pregnant with Brooklyn, I was getting pulled in so many different directions. I was helping Stuart build this house. I was trying to stay on top of the foundation. I'm still traveling full-time with Ryan, and I was just getting spread way too thin. And I attended a conference in San Diego at a Helen Woodward Animal Center, and um, a gentleman by the name of Mike Arms, who I met through IMS, uh, was the, the executive director there. And he really opened my eyes on kind of changing how we thought about revolutionizing animal care and, and humane education and what we were doing as a whole, like as a sheltering whole. And we really need to make things more like a business. And we really need to turn kind of things around because you're not competing against other humane societies. You should be networking with these groups. And I don't feel like enough of the groups around here were doing that. On top of our competitors are in other humane societies. Our competitors are the puppy mills. And if you put the puppy mills out of business by being competitive and marketing where they're marketing and advertising how they're advertising and, and being competitive, competitive and being a reputable organization, I think that'll put them out of business. And overall, I mean, you have to regulate some laws and things like that, but you and I went to Raleigh and yeah, went and did all that tough. with the puppy mill Ooh. bill. And it is very, very tough. And, you know, you look at somebody that has other agendas and they try and make it a bigger picture and what it's not really about. So it makes it really frustrating. And I think that this way of thinking will have overall in time change the whole way that all of sheltering is done. And, you know, even getting away from the word sheltering and calling them centers. I mean, there's so many different things that we kind of got into the stigma of doing. And it's time to kind of change that around. So after learning all of these different things and kind of realizing, okay, I can do this. I can centralize this and do this at home and kind of blow it out and, and make it a huge thing. So I sat down and kind of drafted a paper and I came home from San Diego and it's like 
and I took the red eye. So it was like four or five o'clock in the morning and I wake Ryan up and I'm like, listen to what I learned. And he's like, great idea. babe, I just want to go to sleep. He's, I'm like, no, you need to listen. And I kept him up just running my mouth. I couldn't stop talking about it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever you want to do. And I was like, yes, <laughs> he said it. I got it. We're good. So I started looking around um, us for property because I didn't want it to be too far from where we were because I knew we would be having kids. And I found a piece of property and it was kind of behind our house. And Ryan is so funny because we have a farm up there. Yeah. And I was like, let's just Already. use the farm. Right. He's like, oh, no, no. This is my place. <laughs> this is our house. <laughs> yeah, this is my place. This is my getaway where I go to, you know, cut hay and deal with my animals. And, and this is where I want to be. So I started looking around and found another piece of property. And that one was too close to the house. So he ended up buying it. But he uses it for our, um, I don't know what they call it, like forestry management. Yeah. They kind of, whatever that easement is where they do all the trees and grow the trees oh yeah okay the yeah. timber yeah. Pro yeah. Pro I don't yeah. know he does that <laughs> so I found another piece of farmland that was right down the corner around the corner and I was like this is it I said do not touch this property I'm buying this property this is not Ryan's farm this is what we're doing here he's like yeah 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 whatever <laughs> so I ended up buying that piece of property and, and it's just kind of steamrolled from there I hired my dad to come down and kind of deal with all of the business side of things the money the licensing, the insurance, the HR side, because that's all very important. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just kind of snowballed from there. And so Rescue Ranch does what? Rescue Ranch. So we started with the Education Center because I felt like that needed to be the first and primary focus because everything we're doing there is about education. And we built, uh, it's like an 8,000 square foot building. It has two classrooms in it and an animal room. We started taking in some smaller animals. Um, we had some donated from breeders, uh, our giant Flemish. We had some that were owner surrenders. We have partnerships with the Herp Society of Lake Norman. They got all our reptiles for us. And we really started taking them in, learning about their care, kind of getting their habitat set. And then when we had the building up and running, we now take those animals and we teach the kids about them, what their habitats are, where, they, where you can find them, what their differences are. A lot of kids are so afraid of snakes and have no reason to be afraid of snakes. It's just and you guys are holding are them all the time. We are holding them all <laughs> the time. Uh, they are not slimy. Uh, I think our snakes are fantastic for education. <laughs> And I'm I know cringing. <laughs> uh, we have so many people that do that. But by the time uh, we have some boys and girls clubs that come out and do our outdoor education program and they are, one called me Medusa the other day because I had the snake and he was hanging out around my neck. She's, he's like, are you related to Medusa? <laughs> no, but um, it's just interesting. And it's so cool to see these kids that haven't seen some of these animals interact with them and learn about them. And if, even if they take a little piece with that, with them home, I feel like I've done my job and hopefully change their mind about taking care of animals and kind of learning a different compassion because I feel like if they do that, they will kind of grow up as better human beings right. and take care of things. Yeah, definitely teaching them the, the responsibility aspect. Yeah, and animals. it does. It takes a lot of time and energy to take care of these animals. So if you bring them into your home, you should really know what their care is going yes. to entail. Yes. Like we got these hedgehogs in. <laughs> And they're terrible pets. I mean, I know they're adorable and they look so cute, but they're nocturnal. And they keep you up all night. <laughs> they're not super social. They will keep you up all night. They run in their wheels. And I was like, as it, for a kid, it's not the greatest animal, but right. it's kind of a trending thing now as yeah. people get these hedgehogs. And we try and teach them both sides of it. You might, you know, if you're a night owl, I mean, Dale might be a night owl. He yeah, might, he might a hedgehog might be right up his alley, <laughs> but, uh. You know, it's just trying to teach kids about animals and respecting nature and getting outside and walking the trails and just trying to, we can take our curriculums that we have at the ranch and we can cater it to what they're learning in school. 
so we can get the school groups out and they can have hands-on experiences of the ecosystems and right. ecology and, and how all of this stuff really works and what it looks like and how it feels. Because I think like in a classroom or in textbook situation, you're not going to learn as much and take right. as much with you as if you're out there doing it and you yeah. can retain it. Like any other experience, you need to experience it to really get the whole full grasp, you know. So um, are you still involved in, you know, kind of the, the, you know, you said not to use the word shelter, but, you know, in terms of dogs and cats and all that kind of thing and rescue groups and, and helping from that angle? Yeah, but I'm not the one that's sitting on the board anymore. Yeah. I'm I'm the middle person. So I feel like I want to be the resource person. So we have 15, 20, and the list is growing. All these different groups that we work with uh, will have adoption fairs. We do food distribution. We do all these things to try and support these groups because I feel like it started out dog and cat, and it's grown into so much more because it's not just about dogs and cats. Mm -hmm. There's farm animals that need rehoming. There's exotics that need rehoming. There's so many other animals that are in the same situation as the dogs and cats yep. that aren't getting all the attention. So I feel like instead of competing with these groups and having them feel like I've stolen their resources and because we have the name, we're, you know, yeah, kind of a little bit above and beyond what they're able to do. I would be taking away from the groups that are already doing it and I'd rather support those groups and help them get the resources that they need because they're having, they're doing it for their own reasons and right. they're doing it because there's a need, but it also fulfills a need in them. So I'd rather work with a lot of those groups and it's been fantastic. We just did an adoption fair for flag day and we had a great turnout and everything that we're going to do, we'll invite them to come out and bring their adoptable animals. Uh, Iredell County has gone through a lot of changes in their animal services and they're doing some a lot really of good things. To you. Yes. They're getting there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, there's still a long way to go, but they're people have such a bad perception of them, but they're stuck dealing with a problem that the public has created. And I think people miss that that they're not really supposed to be dog catchers. They're right. supposed <laughs> to be out investigating and dealing with animal cruelty and taking care of hoarding cases and things like that, not picking up stray dogs and and dealing with other people's yep. issues because they no longer want to take care of a 13 year old dog that they've had for that long. It's, it's sad. And I feel like they get such a bad rap because there's been years and years and years of dealing with that. And they're just considered, you know, they're just considered mean people when, when, when they're just trying to take up the irresponsibility of the, the people in their community. Right. Because people won't spay and neuter or don't put their animals in their yard and how they're supposed to. So, I mean, I think growing up North has given me a little bit different perspective because we really didn't have the property to just let our dogs roam and we've always had to kind of fence everything in otherwise you know we had bears and things like that but our winters were a little bit different so we didn't have the double breeding season that you see down here and it's just a little different so just living down here for 14 years um it, I've kind of really learned why things are happening and I'm hoping that eventually over time people will have a different opinion of what their animal services can do for them and, and what they're really there to do and hopefully the mentality will change by the time my kids are at, you know sitting yeah. here at my age that they can say they made an impact on on how things have changed in the community well, people have to start that change and it definitely sounds like what you're doing with with rescue ranch and and the way that you're going about it you know it's just one person at a time and then educating and educating and educating well so. and it starts with the kids i mean it starts with kids wide it's age you you get them interested in animals you get them interested in the outdoors and taking them into the woods i know the woods and being outdoors isn't as safe as it used to be and that's kind of a problem you know people want to keep their kids inside because you don't know who's out there right. but 
I'd like to provide safer environments and, and situations where the kids can go outside and play in the streams and be outside and get dirty and learn what it's about. So we've taken a concept that really originally started on dogs and cats and, and sheltering and adoptions and have kind of grown that into farm animals and exotics and learning about where your food is coming from, understanding farm to, to plate. What what is happening here? Where 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 do eggs come from? Yeah, exactly. What does a chicken look like? Right. There's so many kids that don't understand that anymore, and it's sad for me because growing up around animals, I feel like it was always something that was offered. I never really questioned yeah where my food was coming from, and just understanding what you're putting in your mouth, I think, is very important. And not only that, we've got a great relationship with National Wild Turkey Federation. So just for having kids coming out and observing a wild turkey on the property and what does that look like and what do they eat and what their, what's their habitat, where do they breed. And I really want to turn, we have 177 acres, I really want to turn all of that into a destination where people can come and they can learn about the food plots and the deer and the wild turkey, the farm animals, the exotics, dogs and cats, and just kind of get a general education and take a piece of that away from them. I feel like when you visit places like Lazy Five and other zoos, Unless you're taking like one of their classes or you're sitting there for a demonstration, you're not taking something away from them. So I'm trying to figure out how we can incorporate the education piece to where people are taking something away with them, but they don't really realize how much they've learned while they were there. Right. Yeah. Until they're actually going home and changing something. Yeah. But it really does start with the kids and, and that's our focus right now. Right, that sounds awesome. I want to get up there and experience and get my hands on it and, and see it for myself. You're going to hold the snake. I truly appreciate it. <laughs> I might can. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just fine. get creeped out when I just see them. Well, thank you so much for joining thank me. Thank you for having and, me. And uh, I appreciate you making time to come out and all that you have going on. I hope thank we've uh, enlightened some listeners with um, your life and, and the Rescue Ranch project. And um, they We're can excited go. to have you up. You have a website, right? Yep. RescueRanch.com. Very okay. hard to remember. Yes, very <laughs> hard. <laughs> so check that out. And um, we will uh, definitely get up there really soon love make, that make that would a, be fun make that a august project before we get back in school sounds good okay thank All you right. thanks again christy before we get into the ask kelly segment i wanted once again to thank our new presenting sponsor charlie soap when we partnered with them they sent me some of their products to test out so i've been using them for uh, just a couple weeks now and so far so good for the washing product which i think is is the thing I do most is laundry. So <laughs> they say it takes about three washes with the laundry soap to kind of get rid of all the residue left in your fabric by other types of detergents. So I'm getting close to that cycle and already noticing a difference. I'm really excited to get a little deeper into the other products too. Um, with my schedule, it's so busy. I, I hate to say this, but I don't clean a lot. I have somebody that comes <laughs> in and cleans my house. So I'm like, okay, you're going to start using these products and tell me what you think. But, you know, I, I still have to wipe the counters off at night after dinner oh, and yeah. stuff like that. So uh, everyday cleanup. Uh, yeah. yeah, the everyday <laughs> cleanup. Um, you know, clean up the floor after Wyatt spills something or Kennedy spills something, stuff like that. So, um, you know, just like every other family out there, my family makes a lot of messes too, and Charlie Soap is guaranteed to get rid of them. So please go online to charliesoap.com and check out all the products that they have to offer. Uh, purchase them and test them out with me. Uh, you can use their online store or you can find a retail store um, near you that sells the Charlie Soap's products uh, using their store locator. That's charliesoap.com, and it's very easy to navigate their site. Get some products and let me know how they're working for you. We can compare notes and, and what we think. It's one thing to hear about my testimony on the product, but if you share your stories with us as well, we'll truly know the impact of Charlie Soap and how it's working and how great the product really is. 
So let me know how it's going, and we'll start sharing those stories right here on Fast Lane Family. All right, let's uh, get into Ask Kelly. Remember that you can submit your questions on Twitter using hashtag Ask Kelly at my Twitter handle, Earnhardt Kelly. And uh, also, from time to time, we will ask questions on Facebook as well um, at Kelly K. Earnhardt, my Facebook page. Let's go, Amanda. Our first question is on Twitter from at Bradley88Billy. He is a father of a two-year-old boy and a seven-year-old girl, and he says raising the boy is so much harder. And he wants to know your opinion since you have a boy and a, and two girls around the same age. Yeah, this is a this is something that um, I struggled with myself when I found out I was having a boy. I was like, oh gosh, all I know is girl stuff. And um, you know, everybody actually told me that raising a boy was easier. So it's interesting that um, he says that he's finding that to be harder. Uh, I'd like to know more about what he thinks is hard <laughs> about it. But for uh, for me. Um, it's just getting used to the bumps and the bangs and the bruises and the climbing and the wildness of a boy. It seems like, um, you know, they want to take everything in the house and turn it into some sort of, um, you know, obstacle course or some sort of apparatus that they're going to jump from or, or climb on or something like that. I don't really remember that as as girls, you know. And then they also, there's the adage that raising girls when they're older is harder. I have a 13-year-old daughter, so I'm getting ready to experience, you know, the boys and, and life as a teenage girl. They say she's going to hate me from 13 to 18 and, or 19, and then somewhere, you know, she'll come back after that. So, I'll just get through that period, I guess. <laughs> but I would say all in all for me, I, you know, so far, I think the girls are easier. And, and the thing I'm, I have trouble with with the boy is just the wildness. So I will say my boy is sweet as can be. So um, even though he wants to be wild and climb, uh, he's a sweet boy. Next question is at Tribe Pasta. T-R-I-B-E-P-A-S-T-A-H. Or maybe Pasta H. Pasta, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> What advice would you give your 12-year-old self? Gracious. Um, you know, I thought this was this was a really good um, question. And I think just to not get wound up in things in terms of um, just really to sit back and, and take it in. And that's so hard at that age because you're always wanting to try the next thing, wanting to do the next thing. But um, I don't think as a child and, and through my teenage years, I really just took it in. I, I was always on the edge of my seat, waiting for the next thing, wanting to do the next thing, you know, what was coming at me next, instead of kind of just enjoying the moment and enjoying the present. And I haven't really figured that out till, you know, late in my 30s, <laughs> that that was what was happening. So I think when you're you're that age, you always want to be another year older. Yes, and, exactly. And do something that the older kids are doing. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Take away that peer pressure. Next question is at Butler B92. What is the most difficult part about your job here at Junior Motorsports? I would say probably something difficult for me in my job in general, and it applies to Junior Motorsports as well, and I'm getting a lot better at it, is really delegating and letting people, you know, take care of their work, do their thing, and then, you know, report back into me and, and then being okay if something didn't go exactly like the way you thought it should or, or not. Um, and that's just something I'm I'm kind of a control freak. So that's something that uh, freaks me out. And, and we have, you know, over 120 employees here and every one of them have uh, a talent that they, um, you know, give to the company and, and something that they're good at. And so you have to let those people run with that and so that your business will prosper and, and, you know, new ideas come in and new ways of doing things and you can grow all together and adapt to the 
the change that's happening in your business. So that's probably something that has been difficult for me. Uh, I'm getting a lot better at. All right, time for final thoughts. So this is just real quick. Sweet or salty? Sweet. Beach or mountains? Beach. Dogs or cats? Dogs. <laughs> Cooking or eat out? Cooking. Oh, you said that with some hesitance. <laughs> well, I like to eat out, too. It just depends on where. <laughs> Massage or facial? Facial. City girl, country girl? Country girl. Hills or flats? Flats. Yeah. I see you. You're a casual dresser. Yes. I like that about you. All right. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you'll join us next week for Fast Lane Family. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Fast Lane Family today and to all the Dirty Mo' Radio podcasts each week. And thank you again to our new sponsor, Charlie Soap. Go online now to charliesoap.com and check out their unbelievable line of cleaning products. The best part about the products is that they're all green, so you can safely tackle all your tough jobs. Help support the people that help support us. Go to charliesoap.com today to purchase their full line of products.